Let me finish eating my bread here. Literally a whole loaf of fucking bread. I'm so glad I All always right. start on you. Go. Okay. All right. Okay, shit. Welcome back all and beloved motherfuckers and everything. Couch on fire, all that shit. We're doing more Game of Thrones. The Welcome to the best goddamn season of TV you'll ever see. I loved season three. Am I alone? I, you know, season three and four are probably my two favorite. I mean, it's just... There are other better scenes in later seasons yes. that are better than the best of this. But as far as consistency, like the most entertaining 10 episodes of drama I've seen since The Wire. And I fucking love The Wire, so that's telling you something. It's season, it's season three. Yes. Now, I want to I try to do something a little bit differently on this one. Instead of going episode by episode, I just want to talk real briefly about probably some of my favorite character arcs in the show. A okay. um, couple characters, they, they either start or are in the most important parts of their character arcs in season three. Starting with your boy, Jamie Lannister. Oh, you know, in the, oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like this is where it turns for him. This season mm -hmm. is where it turns, where he was. Oh, absolutely. He was the heel. He was the dickhead, the mm -hmm. incest brother. And then this, mm -hmm. this, this season... I, I agree with you. He definitely he turns for the better. Mm. He, um, I mean, imagine, imagine if you will, especially I want to get your opinion because you've never read the books. Yeah. I knew it was coming because I read the books. Um, but the idea of the like the bad guy who ends up redeeming himself, it's as old as time. Oh, yeah. But he's always like until he starts to change he's always this perfect overpowering just crazy character you think of like zuko from the fucking um, first like the avatar fucking tv show or whatever yeah to see him as soon as he starts making a glimmer of change immediately they take him and lop his fucking arm off <laughs> and he's he's been established his only his only thing his entire identity is built up around he's one of the greatest swordsmen of that age what was your immediate reaction after he got his hand cut off? So, well, let me tell you my reaction right away. Mm -hmm. So, going into this, I went into the season late. Obviously, we talked about this. That I, I, I watched it late. And I was working at um, Harris Street. I was in the meat department in, uh, in, in Albemarle. And mm -hmm. um, basically, the guys were just like, oh, you enjoy this season. And they did a really good job never telling me what happened. And... It was just it. It was great. So when his arm got chopped off, I was like, "Holy shit, he's gonna die!" This show just doesn't give a fuck. Like I, <laughs> I, I was just like, I was so confused because, like you said, he was this golden boy. He always wore gold. He was this like this mm -hmm. knight, like this, you know, I'm the greatest swordsman. And then they did a really good job, basically breaking that whole thing down. He had to. What I want, if I'm gonna start pulling for the bad guy i want him to be fucking dug through the dirt and just buried alive and then him to just rise up like a new flower and that's exactly mm -hmm. what they did they fucking cut his hand off they made him wear his fucking hand and he had to drink animal piss and then he fucking drove into the mud like i mean they beat the shit out of him i just <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> i but, mean it's like it's like they heard the entire audience just hating this guy for two solid seasons <laughs> i can't imagine the fucking smirks the main writers had to have had yeah. 
in conventions and stuff talking about yeah. it. It's like, ah, just wait and see. You'll see. Yeah. You'll well, see. Well, I wonder, like, at first you love it. You're just like, okay, so you're shocked about the hand, but then you're like, yes, fuck him, whatever. He's, you mm-hmm. know, you know, he, the whole Stark situation, you feel like he's responsible for a lot of it. So you're just like, oh, okay, redemption mm-hmm. is good. But then they start beating the shit out of him, making him wear his own hand. I mean, come on, that's fucked up. (laughs) Like, you know, with that said, you know, then you start feeling sympathy for him. And that's when you know the writers are doing a great job. Once you start feeling sympathy, that means you opened your heart to him. And, but that, that scene was just, when you read about it, how'd you feel? Like, were you like, oh, okay. (laughs) I was like, holy shit. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like they, they mentioned like the knife coming down or something. And, they, I, I don't think they explicitly mentioned his, his hand getting chopped off until the next chapter. I thought, okay, they just fucking killed Jamie Lannister. Why the hell would they do that? Yeah. Like, he hasn't he hasn't been utilized at all, you know, and then it cuts back to Jamie again, and he's missing a fucking hand. It's, holy shit, okay. All right, <laughs> we're getting started. But the fact that, like you said, they made you sympathize with him before probably one of my favorite speeches in the entire series when they're in the hot tubs and he starts explaining why he is known as the Kingslayer. Oh, yeah. And what, oh, yeah. What led him to kill the king. <coughs> and it, it starts, everything starts to make sense. Like, why he turned into such a jaded, cynical prick. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, because in the books, they don't mention in, in the show, but in the books, uh, before all this went down, before the rebellion and everything, he was pretty much one of the most idolized knights in the Seven Kingdoms. Like, Everybody loved him. He was pretty much the Superman. You know, he was knighted at age 15. Back when he and uh, Barristan, the old guy, who was much younger, obviously, um, went up against these legendary outlaws and, like, killed them in single combat and everything. Like, one of some of the greatest swordsmen in the world at that time, and he killed one of them at 15 by himself. And it was a big deal when he was put in the Kingsguard because it's like, this is one of the greatest swordsmen of our age. You know, he's this very noble, honorable dude and everything. And he's very conflicted because he hears, like, the Mad King beating the shit out of his wife and, like, beating his kids and stuff and burning people alive. And all the other Kingsguard are like, nah, dude, it's not our problem. We, we're, here to, we're here to protect the king. We're not here to protect the queen from the king, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. See, I feel like, and that just helps him out, builds his character up. I mean, I agree with you. Like, the TV show at first makes him, like, this really big bad guy. Him and his sister are this huge bad people. But then mm-hmm. in that hot tub scene, and then you're telling me in the books, you get to mm-hmm. learn a little bit more about, like, okay, well, he's always been a noble guy, and just he just wanted to do best. But, I'm, you know. Well, he started out that way. He said at one time, he was saying, um, you have no idea how much I respected Ned Stark. And how much, you know, I kind of admired and idolized him. And then, you know, I've been trying to do right this whole time. And I made this one choice because if I didn't, thousands of innocent people would have died. Yeah. Ned Stark was the one to find him with his sword still in the Mad King's back. Wow. And he, he said the look that he gave me then you know, always stuck with him. It was just this look of just hatred and disgust and stuff. And afterwards, he, Ned Stark was publicly calling for Jamie to be executed. Yeah. And, or at the very least, be sent to the wall to take the black and everything for his shame and stuff. And Robert's like, nah, 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 nah. I, I like that you killed your, I like that you killed this guy. Fuck that guy. You're my Kingsguard now. 
so to, so you see this noble, like honorable, literally like a knight in shining armor, like the traditional fantasy trope and stuff, to be betrayed and distrusted and just kind of shit on. You kind of understand why he turned into such a bitter, cynical asshole and why he was so loyal to this crazy woman, Cersei, because she's the only one who's ever really believed in him and ever really loved him and shown him affection and stuff and who stood by him even after all this shit came out. I remember thinking at the very beginning, like, why? Why? Why the hell would you be with Cersei? I mean, I know Lena Headey's hot and everything, but she's fucking crazy, dude. But then, it, you know, you start seeing all this backstory, it makes a lot more sense and kind of fleshes out his character, makes it a little bit more, uh, less black and white, so to speak. And that's that. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's about as good well, a spot to stop on it as any, really. Uh, well, he, um, I mean, you know, I really wish I would have read the books because obviously it gives the characters a little bit more depth. The TV show does a good job, but I think obviously the books give the characters a little bit more back backing that you mm-hmm. than you know. And mm-hmm. you know, I I agree. This just definitely turns the page for me with Jamie Lannister's. I mean, because ever since ever since that moment, it's just been to me, it's been better. Like there hasn't mm-hmm. really been anything that he's done. It's like. You know, go, well, go. we'll get we'll get to well, that. Well, yeah, okay. Well, I know. We'll get to I, that I, in the later seasons. I think I know what you're talking about, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. I don't know. It's just a, a little. I don't know. It's a. It's a. But you're willing to forgive that stuff because yeah, I, the, I, I'll grimace. I'll I'll kind of grimace past it. Brand of like, oh, you know, Jesus. he the you know he went out of his way for a fucking huge woman, Brand of Tarth, and mm-hmm. you know saved her life, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, okay, well, what other character arcs you got? Uh, can, I, can I give you one? Can I give you one? Go ahead. This is this season is where you find, where, see, with Jamie Lannister, it seems like his badness is ending. But this season, you start to develop how sneaky and crimey Littlefinger is. You know, ah yes. Uh, so, so Littlefinger, you know, he starts. You know, he just he just starts becoming evil. I mean, he just starts like playing the field two sides. He starts like mm-hmm. planning things out and hiding things and having people spy on people. I mean, this is you start to see it in this season. That is honestly one of my favorite parts of the earlier Game of Thrones is the kind of battle of wits, the three way battle of wits between him, Varys, and Tyrion. Oh yeah, three of the smartest characters in the show, and they're just. They got these proxies, like agents and stuff. Like I think Varys had this this one redheaded prostitute. Her name is Ross. Yeah. That was spying for him, and Littlefinger finds out about it. Things do not go well for her. Um, things go really well for Joffrey. Joffrey gets a new plaything for a little bit. Oh, but, uh, Marguerite or oh no no the, the oh yeah no the yeah I know what you're talking about. What's her name? Yeah, I can't think of her name. Who are we talking? Joffrey. Who's uh Joffrey's name is Joffrey. No, 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 no. <laughs> Who's his plaything? Uh, the prostitute. Like yeah, after yeah. Uh, her name is Ross. Uh, Ross. After okay, okay. After Littlefinger gives her to her, he like shoots her full of crossbows and shit. Oh yeah, crossbow bolts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think later on, earlier on in the season, he had two prostitutes just beat themselves to death with candlesticks or something like that. Didn't um his is that his side chick or whoever her name is Marguerite or Margaret? Like, didn't she like help? shoot these prostitutes with the crossbow oh i know who you're talking you're talking about marjorie marjorie um, i knew oh, Mar- I was gonna no she 
No, she didn't. Uh, she didn't actually kill anybody. Um, what she did is she expressed an interest in his hobbies, like the crossbow and hunting and stuff like that, as a means of like manipulating him. Oh, okay. Which is why she's probably one of my favorite characters on the show. Well, she's hot. But, well, that that certainly that certainly helps. I mean, she is hot as hell. Yeah. Natalie Dormer, if you're if you're hearing this, I'm waiting for you. I got a bowl of strawberries and absolutely nothing else. <laughs> but I can't. but um, anyway, let's let's get let's let's move past that. Um, what I love so much about her character is that she's not like openly evil. She's not openly manipulative or anything. She comes off as almost like a Sansa type character, a very sweet, innocent, naive mm-hmm. kind of beautiful woman. But under she's got this little undercurrent of just emotional manipulation. Like she has everybody wound around her little finger. Like in this season, she starts trying to build up goodwill to oh, yeah. the, to the, the Tyrell name. Yeah. Yeah. Just like giving out charity and stuff and meeting with people. And it's really a far cry from Joffrey who, you know, you saw with the, the riots and stuff, he had his men just start carving through people cause they threw a cow pie at his face, you know, trying to build up the, <laughs> the goodwill of the Tyrell name. Um, and it's, it shows really to me, I know Sansa's character, at least in the books, was supposed to be the opposite of Arya's, where Arya was trying to embody kind of masculine traits to yeah. become a stronger woman. And Sansa's character arc was supposed to be, until they fucked it up, that you don't need to be a masculine woman to be a strong woman. Like, she was based... In the books, essentially... Um, she was turning into the woman Littlefinger and using her feminine charms to kind of get her way, manipulate people like Marjorie is in the show. Okay. So she's basically proving you don't, you can be a traditional feminine woman and still like still rule the scene, making her one of probably one of my favorite characters, but with it's between that and then her and her grandmother. I don't know how much you remember about Olena. I know fucking she fucking badass. I know she just says whatever the fuck she wants. Oh, I'm, she's hilarious, yeah. man. <laughs> she's just, the, um, I know there the was the amount scene, of I know there was a scene where she sat down and asked about Joffrey to uh uh what was it Sansa? I'm still bad yeah. with these fucking names. I'm getting better. Anyway, no, Sansa's the redhead. Yes, the redhead. So he sat down before the before they got married cuz they do get married this season. Joffrey and mm-hmm. um her um mm-hmm. she sat down and said you know what type of man he is and she you know she told her everything and i'm just that that was i remember that scene a little bit not too much vague mm-hmm. yeah she she did mention she finally opened up about kind of who joffrey really was and to me it marked a turning point for her character mm-hmm. because she was written to be the kind of classic um fantasy princess so to speak you know very kind very kind of naive and stupid and everything and she's finally realizing that she can't be the fantasy princess because Joffrey is not Prince Charming. He's not the the classic prince at all. He's a monster. And to kind of trying to warn Marjorie away from that and get her, you know, in sort of a better situation, it still takes her way too fucking long to start changing as a character, but I think this was kind of a good starting point for her. Okay. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. Hmm? Um... But yeah, that that whole that whole thing was crazy. So, 
the, yeah. th- the thing I want to talk about the most um, mm-hmm. is the White Walkers, the other side of the wall. But we'll, mm-hmm. we can wait to talk about that. Okay, so let's see. We talked about Littlefinger. We talked mm-hmm. about the great and powerful Jamie Lannister. There's so much that goes down in this damn season. It's just so crazy. Okay, well here, let's 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 switch gears for a second. Okay. Let's talk about your girl, Daenerys. Oh, okay. She she really starts I, I didn't much care for her in the first two seasons cuz she doesn't really do much. Well, the first you know, season this... first season she's just a sex slave. Second season she's trying to figure out who the fuck she is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But in season three, she really starts turning into into a badass. Well, like she gets her army, she starts mm-hmm. becoming politically powerful. So, she takes over Yunkai. What's up? So basically, yes, she gets her army. I she goes to where does she go? So she's on a boat with uh with everyone, and her defe- her Delfreki um army men are just pretty much dying or just not you know they're just in bad shape. So mm-hmm. she goes to this place that, like, basically trains people to be military, you know, men. Mm-hmm. She has all these soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I, this, when, to me, I, the, the, one of the shocking things of the season, um, you know, besides the hand and some other things, this shocked me a lot, too, when, um, you know, she was like, I'll give you my dragon if you give me your whole army. And the dragon just, she just turns on everybody and just fucking burns that sh- fucking shit that whole place down freeze all mm-hmm. the slaves and then the slaves are like well thank you for freeing us we're all yours now and now mm-hmm. she has not only did she get an army but she this is the first time she really start using her like teenage dragons to burn the fuck out of people which are great mm-hmm. and uh yeah I mean that 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 whole thing shocked me when I saw that I was like oh that- my god she might be. That, a I mean, yeah, you know, it was a great scene and everything, but I kind of was disappointed, both in the way it was in the books and the way it is in the show, the way it, everything plays out uh, in that whole scene, because it's set up initially. You start to look at, oh shit, you know, the the moral implications of this this young girl. Uh, she desperately needs this power, this army, to take back her homeland. Yeah. from the people who stole it from her and murdered her whole family. But she doesn't have money. She doesn't have political power. And now she can't even, like, marry herself off to a powerful warlord or something. Yeah. So she's forced to not only literally sell one of her children by this army, but her army is going to be made up entirely of slave soldiers. In the books, the unsullied are explained as they are psychologically and chemically conditioned to feel no fear and no pain. Yeah. Like they have, they take this numbing agent until they cannot feel any sensation, be it pain, you know, anger, rage, anything like that. And it's demonstrated by, uh, well, in the, in the show. Yeah. They cut off that guy's nipple. Yeah. In, in the, in the books, they make the guy cut off his own nipple. Oh, okay. to, To demonstrate both his, uh, absence of pain and this complete loyalty and they mention that the unsullied are trained by when they turn 15 I think they're given a puppy that they have to raise on top of all their training and stuff for a year and then on the final day of their training they have to strangle the puppy with their bare hands and if they don't then they're killed and fed to the dogs and then the puppy, and, and then the puppy dies anyway. But uh, <laughs> yes, so it's it's meant to establish they have no moral conscience. They literally exist as just an arm of the person who buys them. Wow. I thought it would be like super kind of fucked up and kind of morally interesting. 
to look at someone who's objectively trying to do something good, mm-hmm. but is using very morally indefensible ways to do that good. Yeah. But instead, you know, she doesn't sell her child into slavery. They kill all the slave masters and she frees the slaves and they follow her anyway, freely, you know? I, I think it kind of, it takes away from the, the complexity of the character I mean, it's it's a little bit weird, you know, that I'm just sitting here defending, like, why weren't why wasn't there more damn slaves? You know, why wasn't she sitting there with the whip? Just come on, move. Whoosh, whoosh. Well, see, you know, obviously they have to cram so much in a season, and they probably just don't want to make it too brutal. You know, obviously the books can be a little bit more brutal brutal than you know the show. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I you know, I, don't know the, I always want the same I, thing in the books. I always wanted to know, like. You're saying it's the same thing in the books? Yeah, yeah. The same. The scene plays out in the same way, which is why I just it bugs me. Well, I know. I know why he well, didn't they, do it because they didn't do the whole dog thing. I would, no, I would have um, loved to see that. That'd be awesome. No, but it, it wasn't on screen. It was kind of it was explained as yeah. just like exposition. So it wasn't even really that shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, more more shocking than that, they mention another test they have to do is they're given a coin, like a silver coin. And they're told to go into the slave markets, find a baby, and kill it in front of its mother. And Daenerys says something like, you know, do you only value a baby's life at one silver coin? How's the mother going to, like, that's not a price a mother would pay for a child. And the slave master says, no, you dumb bitch. The coin isn't for the mother. It's for the master of the baby. You know, like, compensating him for his stolen property. Wow. You know, so... That to me, that's that's a little bit more morally shocking. I love dogs. I love puppies. You know, I, but, I, if I see somebody pull too hard on a leash, I want to snap their fucking necks. But at the same time, I think killing a baby in front of its mother and then paying its master for its lost slave is a little bit more fucked up. Wow. Okay. Well, you just brighten up my day. You know. Also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how how the season ends with her it doesn't see she runs across another group of people. Um, I think the second sons. Mm-hmm. And she meets like this her new boy toy. Is that her? yeah? The like is he is he blonde or is he yeah? Like, yeah. Discount Legolas. Yes, and then mm. you know so, but she's got her army. She's got new people. Mm-hmm. You know she's got people following her that are devoted to her. I mean, this was a good mm-hmm. move for her, and this kind of sets up the rest of the seasons about her about you know how she literally her and her brother, you know they had nothing. She was a mm-hmm. she was basically a whore. Then she got married, mm-hmm. and then you know she took over an army. Then she led her army, you know, almost to death. But then she got a new army. I mean, it's a, it's a good it's a good you know. I like well, I, I like I like the idea of her going from essentially being ruled, being told what to do and how to live and everything, to in a very short period of time, she has a massive army. She's got several dragons, yeah. and she has a city to rule. At the end of the at the end of the season. She takes over the city of Yunkai. Yeah. And frees all the slaves and everything and crucifies all the masters and shit. Because I think um, they had this scene in the books too where there were these slave children, one every mile, who were crucified with their hands pointing the way to Yunkai. And so when Daenerys takes the city, she does the same thing takes an equal number of slave owners and crucifies them in the great square just leaves them there i like the idea that this 
who in the books was a child. She was like 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. She's being forced to try and rule a very brutal and savage people whose customs are not her own with pretty much no help. Like a couple of advisors, but that's about it. Which is why I understand why they aged up some of the characters in the uh, in the show because yeah. obviously you know you, you can't have a fourteen year old Daenerys getting rammed by Khal Drogo, but uh, I mean yeah. look even for HBO that's a little much, um, but it does kind of take away a lot of the explanations for why did she do this really fucking stupid thing? It goes from oh it's because she's a child to oh she's just fucking stupid. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, I, I went from pretty much disliking Daenerys' character to now she makes a lot more sense, See, and I like her better. I never disliked her. I just thought that she was just kind of like, who is this girl? Like, I never understood stood why she was mm -hmm. here, but now, like, obviously I know what's going, coming up in the next couple seasons, so it's like, but, you know, just recapping this season, it's just it definitely, uh, it was definitely, this is, see, this is why this season is good because everybody's mm -hmm. maturing everybody's doing things it's a it's a you know it's a good season yeah there's um, not too much just filler um what else okay so you got there's two little small things beside you know so okay so denarius we're good mm -hmm. there's two other small little things going on uh well there's actually three to me three other small things going on mm -hmm. um one so bran escaped the north. They're going to the other side of the wall. I don't remember why. Right. Why are they going to the other side of the wall? To find the three-eyed raven. So he had a, a vision of the three-eyed raven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, specifically, he had a vision of the three-eyed raven. He didn't know what it means. Okay. And then he meant he met uh, two characters, Jojen and Mira, yeah. who are what are called green seers. They're basically like prophets. Okay. And they said, we're here to lead you to the three-eyed raven, who is beyond the wall. They're kind of like his guides, and in short time, they become his friends and confidants and everything, and his protectors. So this is intriguing because, like, I love the story. That's I love the whole other side of the wall. I love the story of the the tree people. Is it the tree people? Mm -hmm. and the children of the forest. The children of the yeah. forest. Tree people, same thing. Huggers, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the ants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love that kind of story. So him going up there is just very intriguing. So. You know, I know it's that doesn't take a, it's not a lot of scenes in the series, and you don't really mm -hmm. learn too much about it because you know I know he runs into Sam and his his little girl his his girlfriend and baby at one point, mm -hmm. and that's right. how that's how they get through the wall. But it's mm -hmm. you know it it just leads up. See, that's why, like I said, I like this season, but I also like season four because you learn a little bit more of that in season four, and some crazy shit happens to me in season four. But mm -hmm. in season three, you know, you start to learn a little bit, and it's weird because they don't they don't talk about it too much. But that's pretty cool. The other thing that the other thing that they don't um, it's building up. So the first two seasons did good job building up with uh, certain characters to season three, and it, you know you get to learn a little bit more about them. But the Hound and um, Arya. Yes. This is a. Um, this this is probably one of my favorite du duos of the whole series because you know you got Jamie and um, Brienne of Tarth you got you got some a couple other people but this is the, the duo this to me 
their relationship starts getting better they're on a journey he's trying to take her back to the twins to give you know back to rob stark his sister so he can get some money and then mm-hmm. she wants to go back that way so she's like fuck it i'll go with you but then they start you know they're just badasses they get captured but they also start you know killing people at the same time and they're protecting each other she actually wants to kill him i think at one t- at one point but does it yeah she tries to once yeah. or twice yeah. uh but he's just like nah come on come on mm-hmm. don't be stupid i'm taking you home but I just the hound I love. He's just sarcastic, witty. I wish he wasn't scared of fire because that just tur- that makes me feel like he's just this big pussy. But <laughs> although he has a good reason for it, I understand. Which, His bro- which they get into in the next season. Yeah, I, I I understand, but it's just like I don't know. But I love that duo. Um, and then the other two little stories would be you know, was it um, was it Theon, Reek mm-hmm. or Reek? Let's call him Reek. <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. Whew, boy. Although that being said, I'm this season it's pretty book accurate and it's pretty good and stuff, but I'm not a huge fan with how the whole Ramsey thing turned out in the long run. We'll get into that next season. Yeah. Well, cuz that's when it really starts taking off. Well, this season so he's torturing um Theon. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's fucking torturing him. I mean, mm-hmm. he cuts off his wiener. <laughs> and then he holds up a hot dog. <laughs> it's like, hey, dude! I swear to God, my fucking parents just recently started watching Game of Thrones, and my dad must have missed the part where they explain that it's a sausage. Mm-hmm. So he he called me the other day and he said, "Yeah, we're loving the show so far. It's amazing, but you know, you, your mother almost had to turn it off about the time that dude started." He cut that dude's dick off and ate it. That was that was a little bit much <laughs> even for us, you know. I'm like, no, for one thing, you know, I appreciate you giving my boy Theon some props, but no, he he doesn't have that huge of a dick. <laughs> that was huge. Yeah, that, that was a big fucking sausage. Um, and two, no, again, even for HBO, that's a little much. Well, see, you learn um, with that story. You learn that. Uh, so, who's the guy cut off his penis? What is his name? You just said it. Uh, Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey Bolton. So you learn that his, well, he's the bastard child, right? No, he's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, he was a bastard. Yeah, so so officially his name is Ramsey Snow. Well, yeah, because that's the name of bastard children. Mm-hmm. Um, Up north, yeah. yeah. But so you learn that the reason why he's doing all this is because his father, you know, is not a huge fan of uh, the Starks. Mm-hmm. And which brings up to the biggest, to me, one of the biggest shockers of the damn the damn show the season actually one of them in the show yeah hands down the show one one of the most shocking scenes in television i would argue top yes. 100 at least so when this let me let me explain uh, you know i'll let you explain the whole thing but let me just let me let, like i said before and i'm gonna say this again it sounds like a broken record but i did not know this ever happened and i when this show aired i wasn't into the show so i didn't really give a shit and i didn't retain information about it so when i first saw this i saw this pure i saw this just like everyone else when it first premiered even though it was many years later and when this happened my jaw fell to the ground mm-hmm. so the motion one of the things that intrigued me so much about this show is that there's certain events in this show that happened that just made me cry jaw to the ground, cheer, like screaming, yelling, saying, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And this one right here, just my jaw was just, I was stunned. So 
let me let me see if I got this correct. Rob married a girl. Well, Rob was promised to marry one of this man's daughters. Yes. In the Twin Towers or the the bridge. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can use his army. But then Rob decides to get married under a damn tree to some random chick that was fighting with him. Mm-hmm. Word gets back that he did that. And, you know, and then they, they pull their people. Rob doesn't really have anybody left to fight in his uh, army besides the Starks and a couple other people. But he doesn't really have too much. Mm-hmm. So he goes back and begs forgiveness saying, I'm sorry I married someone else. I know I promised to marry you. Is it his cousin? Uh, it's his uncle. His uncle he convinces to marry one of his daughters, right? Yes. Okay. And so push comes to shove they say sure why not let's have a wedding and then so they have this fantastical wedding mm-hmm. um, they actually do get married his uncle and this chick she's actually a pretty mm-hmm. girl and then um, they leave but then when they leave all hell breaks loose so the hound and Ara make it there but then Ara sees that you know the Stark men on the outside are getting slaughtered and brooded, and I think was it his dire wolf, his wolf, his animals get killed. Well, it's not just that they get there right after the red wedding has just finished. Oh, okay. So they um, so they see the the war that's the the battle that's outside. Yeah, they they see not only do they see the Stark men getting killed, but they see um, in the books they mention it by name, so I know what it is. They cut the head off his dire wolf and cut the head off of Rob and sewed their heads onto the other, the opposite bodies. Okay. And were dragging them around. So when she goes out there and she sees them like carrying a body that's a body of a man but with a dire wolf on top. Yeah. That's what it is. It's Rob's body with, uh, I think it's Grey Wind is the name of his dire wolf, which is a yeah. stupid fucking name. Um, with Di- with Grey Wolf's head or Grey Wind's head on his shoulders, mm-hmm. which is really fucked up. Well, you know that this whole scene is fucked up. So once Rob's uh, men start getting killed in the um, in the audience, or you want to call it the audience in the room, mm-hmm. you know his wife is with his baby get mm-hmm. fucking slaughtered, and then he doesn't know what to do. He's just standing there. Then he gets slaughtered. Then his mom gets slaughtered. After I think she takes like one chick with her, one of the, his daughters with yeah. her. Yeah. Well, in um, in the books, it was actually different. Um, and I'll I'll bring you into my experience going in blind because, well, I shouldn't say that I didn't go in entirely. I heard the phrase "the red wedding" before. Okay. I knew something was coming. Um, and I was just reading. I was at my other job. This is back before I worked at hair. Uh, it was at a shitty department store called Roses. I was in the break room, just and I got. And it mentions that Catelyn Stark, she's sitting with Roose Bolton, and she leans over. She's laughing at something, and she puts her hand on his arm, and feels chainmail under his coat. Yes. And they specifically mentioned there are no weapons allowed in the hall and stuff. It's a peaceful wedding and stuff. And as soon as I read that line, all my hairs stood up on end, and I felt my blood start pumping like, oh my god, this is the Red Wedding. And shit just went crazy. In the books, Rob's wife was not there, um, because Rob 
is not a fucking idiot like his show counterpart is and it's like hey it might not be a good idea if I'm going to beg forgiveness to this guy to bring the wife that I cheated on his daughter with who's pregnant with my child so he sends her home to his like to her mother and I think it's it's not Valeria it's like Pentos or something like that one of those far off countries and she's never heard from again so she actually got as close to a happy ending as possible and there's actually fan theories out there saying that you know the son if it is a son the baby um, that she gives will presumably have something to do like far off in the future but she's not there Um, when the shit starts going down my boy the great John Umber the guy who got his fingers bitten off by the dire wolf and like he he pledged his loyalty to Rob after that called him the king in the north and everything he goes fucking crazy in the books he grabs a table throws it over Rob to shield him from the bolts and just starts killing guys with his bare hands just like starts ripping throats out and punching people and stuff takes like six guys with halberds and shit to go in and kill him and the whole time Rob's just like sitting there just frozen he doesn't know what to do he's panicking and Catelyn's trying to get him out and stuff and eventually she grabs this kind of this simple guy like the Forrest Gump of the Frey family you know this sweet kid who's kind of not all there and holds a knife to his throat and tells Hoster Frey I think is his name yeah or Walder Frey I don't know, one of those. I, I know it was old a guy. Yeah, I know it was a fray. The old, the old evil guy. She says, hey, I'll make you a trade. I don't care what you do to me. Let my son go, and I'll let your son go. And he says, I have tons of sons. What the fuck are you talking about? And Rooster, Roose Bolton, you know, stabs, uh, what's his name? Stabs Rob in the heart and says the Lannisters send the regards. So as Catelyn sees this, she goes crazy and just starts just stabs the shit out of this kid she's trying to cut his fucking head off like she slit his throat and everything and as she loses her mind and starts screaming and crying and everything somebody reaches back and cuts her throat and I think they did something kind of similar to that in the the show but I was just I was fucking done after reading that like I didn't want to go back to work I just wanted to sit there and just not talk to anyone just stare at the wall for a little bit it was one of the most emotionally devastating chapters I'd ever read. And, it's and like, the crazy thing is that wasn't even at the end of the season. No, I <laughs> so. think that's I think that's I think that's on purpose though. I think Game of Thrones they save their crazy shit for the ninth episode of the season. Yeah, which is why I'm I'm really excited about episode nine of this coming season. Or I think isn't it like eight episodes? The eighth season. I think it's Something only like eight. That. So. Yeah, so the seventh episode is going to be crazy. Um, but I... It, it It's funny because it almost seems like you could see this coming if you didn't look at it through the lens of, oh, it's just a story. Yeah. Because in real life, it things would probably turn out about like that. You know, I loved Rob as a character. He was a very honorable and noble guy and everything, but he was kind of stupid. Well, he man. was a brilliant. Apparently, he was a brilliant battle commander. Like he never lost a battle or anything. But strategically, almost every decision he made was for the worst. I feel like they try. Like with all the Starks, they have a strength and they have a, a huge weakness. Mm-hmm. And I think later it gets a little bit better with uh, you know with the girls. But 
right now they're all dumb teenagers and they're just making mistakes. And that that red wedding thing was just so groundbreaking and shocking to me that it, it was just, you know. And the crazy thing is with that with that whole thing happening, it still wasn't my favorite part of the season. I'm oh, a, I gotta hear this. I'm a very simple man, um, and I, I I've been telling you for the last two seasons. I love the whole, I, you know, Jon Snow. He's okay right now. He's okay. You mm-hmm. know, he obviously becomes more important later, but right now he's okay. But I love the whole story of the White Walkers, the myth beyond the wall, the the whole the whole thing, and then the, the little the children of the forest, that whole thing. It's just to me the whole. Uh, Everything that's happening down below is goo, but that stuff is just—I don't know. So obviously, John, it, I think it opens up with John. Um, John getting—he's with the wildlings in, at the end of season two. He meets the wildlings' leader in the beginning of season three. He basically tries to plead and say, "I will become a wildling," and I think you get to meet one of the coolest redheaded, uh, bearded men that you will ever meet in your life. Oh my God, <laughs> I, I, I love Tormund so much. Yeah, and he's not even that cool in this season, but he becomes cooler. And you know, so he meets him, and you know, it's just great. They start traveling back to. I think you finally get the you. Do you get to see a White Walker? You see a White Walker, I think, with Sam, because Sam, you yes. get you get to learn about that whole thing, you know. So Sam is over there. He go, they go back. The Night's Watch goes back to that house where all the daughters are, where they have kids at. That was in season two, and one of the daughters has a son, and Sam decide the daughter wants to keep the boy, and she wants to leave, and Sam falls in love with this fucked up tooth girl. Um, mm-hmm. And they try to keep the sun, and that's when the Nightwalker comes. And he's not just like any other Nightwalker. He's like he seems like one of those like leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think as I understand it, like there's zombies and everything, and then there's the four White Walkers. Oh, like the, okay, okay. So he's a White Walker. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the White Walkers are just those four. Now we'll say well because the White Walkers is they turn the White Walkers is is it is it just four White Walkers? I think so. I think they're supposed to be like the four horsemen of the apocalypse type deal. Oh, okay. Not including the Night King. I don't know if the Night King is one or if he just rules over one. Because I know we've only ever seen, even when we see a lot more of the White Walkers in later seasons, we've only ever seen four of them at a time. That's true. Okay. Um, well, he tries, to, he tries to kill it. This is where you learn another thing. that This is a good learning season. You learn yes. that you learn that dragon glass, the thing that Sam found earlier, um, is it's like a black glass that that's what kills White Walkers. So he stabs mm-hmm. a White Walker and he kills it. And so learning that, and then the story of uh, Jon Snow and the Wildlings, it's just it's pretty intriguing to me. And that's one of my these are my favorite things that happen in the whole season. Well, I think and they're, they're, I, I love what's up. It, well, I was going to say, and it's crazy because everything else that's happening is you know you got. The dragon, you got Daenerys down there killing, you know, doing her thing. You got the, the Rob, you know, you got Jamie Lannister, you got hey, Bran, you got all these things that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing some, you know, these are all great things. And the simple story of Jon Snow and these fucking White Walkers is what I'm intrigued about. So <laughs> it just shows you, I mean. It's- I just love the, like, the wildlings in general, their culture and their leadership and everything. I've always found it so intriguing. 
the idea of kind of like the hardy tribal people just surviving in a wasteland that fucking hates them. Yeah. I've I've always found that very interesting. It doesn't hurt that their leader, Mans Raider, is played by probably one of my favorite minor actors, uh, Karen Hines. Dude oh, yeah. does an amazing job on all kinds of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he really he really makes Mance Raider a much more likable character than he was in the books. He's got this he's got this face of a rememberable face. Yeah, somebody you can actually trust. Yeah. Then you and uh, it make What's up? No, 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 yeah. You could what were you saying? Yeah, it's it's it makes them feel a little bit more sympathetic. Yeah. The wildlings do. Um of course you'll meet some later on in the show that are just fucking evil. Mm-hmm. But Well, you know, um I'm not the one thing I didn't like about this that whole little thing that's happening above the north wall when they climb the wall and they get to see the north and south, that's pretty cool, and then they go on the other mm-hmm. side, but then Jon Snow trades on the the wildlings, which is okay, but when his redheaded chick decides to shoot him with like five arrows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like to me that was like ugh I don't know I, I wasn't a huge fan of that but it it makes sense going into season 4 what her her making that choice or her not being able to kill him with five arrows not being able to kill him with five arrows yeah that was a little much I thought like I, like, th- it's, I thought maybe an I understand. arrow in the leg I was like oh okay <laughs> yeah I thought that was bad enough I understand the idea of like the the dramatic kind of fucking thing mm-hmm. the dude the doohickey you know yeah. the, I've heard just shooting him again and again and again is supposed to emphasize his strong will and everything but I, I, I think that especially in dramatic shows and especially in fantasy shows less is more like the more you show this guy getting the shit beat out of him and he gets stabbed like 18 times and he gets cut and he's bleeding from everywhere it's like okay, if he's not dead yet, then that means he never fucking will be, and I'm never gonna be in. I'm never gonna feel endangered, you know, ever again. Yeah. Whereas if you show a guy getting punched really fucking hard, and it's just like he's he's struggling, mm-hmm. like he's down, he's having a hard time moving around. Like okay, there's actually some fucking consequence there. Yeah. Like, like you said, she could have just shot him that one time, you know, and it would have it would have showed enough of. Especially if he was at a run, like if he if he was already on the horse, it would have showed enough of her skill as an archer. It would have showed that she kind of let him go mm-hmm. without making it look like it, and it would have made him his collapse right in front of the gate of the Night's Watch a lot more believable. Yeah. Like if you don't bleed out from five fucking arrows in you in the time it takes you to ride back to Castle Black, and then you just pass out as soon as you get there, come on. I know it's TV and everything, but that's a little much. See that—that that was the thing that just got. I don't know. It's just, uh. and it's one of the things that you also saw on the other side of the wall that was a little confusing for me was the spiral horse heads. Like I'm still trying to figure out. Like I don't know. I know later we learned a little bit more about it, but I'm still a little spiral confused. horse heads. Yeah, like the, supposedly I think it's the the White Walkers put they cut all these horses off or all these people's parts and they put it in um, a spiral formation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I know what you're talking about now. You don't. They don't really touch more on it on this season, and I know we'll cover it more because they touch on it a little bit later. But I'm still mm-hmm. a little confused to this day about that. But you know, we'll talk about that in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. Well, what do you? Okay, so what do you get out of this season? We're getting close to the to the mark. Well, 
What do you mean when I get out of it? Like, like what specifically? So I know it's you're saying it's one of your the best seasons. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most consistently mm-hmm. good, I would say. Well, okay. um, well let me reward this. What what do you hate about it? What would you change about it? There's not really much that's a fault of the show itself. A lot of it is just like it it kind of hit a bumpy spot in the books where there yeah. was a little bit too much padding. Um particularly with the whole Daenerys thing with yeah. the uh, the fucking second sons and everything. I didn't think that was portrayed very well in the books. I didn't really I hated Dario's character in the in the third season, apparently everyone else did, which is why it's a completely different guy next season. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Other than that, I mean, I didn't really have too much to complain about. Well, it was a it was a very solid season. Do you think the reason why you love this season so much, besides you know some of the things that the highlights that you pointed out, it seems like you might love it because this season followed the books almost more than any other season. Mm, I think it, it improved upon what the books were doing. The first two seasons were pretty much mirror translations of the books, flaws and all. Yeah. I feel like season three took the better parts of the books, used those, and then made up all the rest. Like, the idea to put Rob's wife in the Red Wedding, to have the shock and drama of a pregnant woman getting stabbed repeatedly in her pregnant belly while yeah. her husband watches, you know, it made that scene infinitely more heart-wrenching. Oh, yeah. That wasn't in the books, you know? And instead of her stabbing, you know, Forrest Gump a million times, her just dejectedly just cutting his throat like, oh, you know, like, what more is there to live for? Just kill me already. There were there were excellent changes made. Um, showing that Dragonglass can kill the White Walkers. I don't think Sam even ran into a White Walker at that point in the books. Okay. I think it was just, it was like he read it in a book or something, that Dragonglass can kill White Walkers, which is pretty anticlimactic. Well, I know um, I know in the later seasons when he's reading more of the books, spoiler alert, he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, do, he does read about it, Dragonglass, you know, but where to find it, where to harvest it at. I know he reads about that right. too. Yeah. Um, um, if I did have a complaint about this season, and it's it's not a problem of the show, it's a problem of the book um, that the show is based on. Melisander, she shows a lot more of her power this season. Uh, she conjures like the shadow baby to kill Renly and stuff like that. And yeah. She had, she kidnaps Gendry and is like taking blood from him to use in sacrifices and stuff. And it's implied by her that the blood sacrifice that she uses the leeches for is what eventually leads all three of the other kings to be killed. Um, I think they they call out Joffrey, Renly, and Rob. Um, I've always had a problem with magic. The stronger it is, the harder it is to support in a story because the obvious question is why isn't it used for everything if it can solve everything? And it's also a problem I have with Bran and the Three-Eyed Raven and stuff. Because we we get shown, both in this season and in later seasons, that Green Seers and the Three-Eyed Raven in particular are basically, like, omnipotent. They know everything. They can see into the past, the present, all the possible futures. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, why the hell don't you share it, you know? Why not just say, hey, here's exactly what you have to do to win the Game of Thrones and stuff. Um Melisandre, I always question, you know, why couldn't 
she use that fuck? Why does she never use that demon baby thing again? Yeah. Like, is is that something that she like? Is that why she had sex with Stannis? Is to get the baby to make the demon baby with? If that's the case, you know, is he just did he take a vow of celibacy? Like, what's the deal here? Why doesn't why don't you ever use that again if it's so powerful? You know, Brienne tries to stab it. It can't be stabbed, so you can't stop it from happening. It just it instantly kills whoever the fuck it comes in contact with. And you see her like using illusions, and she's immune to poison at one point. Well, if red, if red priestesses are so powerful, why are we just now hearing about them? That's my main complaint yeah. right there. Well, you don't really see too much of them. That's why that's that was one of the other things I never brought up because, I mean, you you do see that what you're saying that storyline, mm -hmm. but it's just not it's not as relevant as everything else. Like right now, it isn't, and. um I don't know. I agree with you. Like, I don't understand well, why she can't and use like, she can't use her powers. Like, why didn't she use well, them? It's not just her too. Like the whole Lord of Light thing. Like you see, oh um, yeah, once his face the dies hound and comes back. Yeah, yeah. He okay. just he comes he comes back to life. Um, and it's like there's a small cost. He says that every time he comes back, like he feels less and less, and he doesn't taste stuff. And like, who the fuck cares, man? You're immortal. Who cares? Well, that kind of yeah. that kind of breaks it into, uh, you know. What happens with John So later on, you know? Yes. So uh, and that that will come up later. Yes. But I, I like Melisandre as a character. I like the character arc that she goes through. I love seeing her point, naked. I mean that that's always nice. Um, right now, her character is interesting, but isn't quite yet good. Um, she's at the point. She's kind of. There's a lot of parallels to be made. If you want your comment section to be just destroyed about how she's she's you know a religious zealot who believes in doing the right thing no matter what it takes yes like she'll do any evil because she thinks that god is on her side or whatever and that stannis is the chosen one and that all that when you're basically her thing is she's the one who came to stannis and told him about the prophecy of a guy called azora high the prince that was promised yeah and there's this long prophecy that is written vaguely enough it applies to several people about a prince who is born amidst salt and smoke and all this kind of stuff whose job it is to save the world from the from the night king yeah um and the ancient legend of azora high he had this sword this this crazy powerful magic sword the only thing that could kill the night king this sword he tried to forge it a bunch of times and he couldn't temper it. It would shatter every time he tried to temper it. Mm -hmm. uh, so eventually he tried, he, he took his favorite stallion, like his favorite horse and tempered the sword in that, like he stabbed him in the heart with it and that didn't work. So he took his beloved wife, whose name is Nisa Nisa for some reason. Sounds like fucking Jar Jar Binks. Um, <laughs> Nisa Nisa. And Nisa, Nisa, hold this sword and stabbed her through the heart and that tempered the sword to where he could use it and he saved the world. Wow. So her entire, her entire religion, her entire belief system is based upon in order to do the good of the many, in order to save the world, it takes unbelievable personal sacrifice. And that's why I've always found her character so intriguing. She's willing to do the most heinous, fucked up stuff, like burning people alive... She has Stannis burn his own father-in-law alive at the stake because yeah. he thinks that he's a heretic. And later on in the series, you know, someone even closer to him 
will be burned alive spoiler. for another reason entirely. I, I say I say spoiler, but you should know this by now if you're listening. Yeah, to like I, I I don't know why I'm even bothering like being vague because yeah, like if you haven't watched the show by now, like what the hell are you doing? You know, you want to sit here and just watch two crazy you southern know, hicks just talk about it all day? You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm well. First of all, I'm glad you include me in the southern. You know, well, Baltimore's close enough. You know, yeah. they're, they're somewhere that way, yeah. that well, vague direction. It's funny. So I have a lot of friends that enjoy this show, and they listen to the podcast, and they're all like, mm-hmm. "I want to be on this podcast. I want to talk about Game of Thrones." So maybe mm-hmm. in a future episode, we'll get a third person involved here, and you can. Oh uh, Jesus, we're gonna have like a forum going. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a I have a friend. Well, I have a couple friends, but I have one friend in particular that has read the books inside and out, and he loves the books, and he loves mm-hmm. the TV show, and. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like listening to you two debate on something should be an interesting topic. Oh, Jesus. So maybe... <laughs> I haven't read the books in years. That's going to be a shit show. Well, no. Well, it's okay. I mean, I don't really know. You know, I know what I know. So it'll be fun. Um, I'm sure he hasn't read it in years either. But yeah. he just has but... He has posters on his wall and, you know, the map that certain people have yeah. journeyed. It's weird. Anyway, love you. I'm not going to say your friend. So, but um, yeah. okay. Well, with that said... Yeah, I mean that's that's a wrap. We're good, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, season three, definitely check it out. I mean, there's a lot that we didn't even talk about that you know we could still talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, we don't have time to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... but definitely check out season three. It was groundbreaking. I think when we talk about season four, see, I, you know, I agree. After thinking about it, it's not the whole season of season four, but there's a couple big things to me. You know, especially hint. Here's a hint. Literally, what I just said in this season about what I love the most. You'll see some more, some some really crazy shit in season four, and that's what I love, and that's why I wanted mm-hmm. season four. And then we talk about the shit show of season five, so I'm excited. Oh Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <sighs> all right. Well, thank you, Griffin. Thank you. And, Always a pleasure. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna end it. I don't know how to end the show. I, I say one of these times you should just cut off in mid 